Hello, I'm Emma Forsyth, and you're listening to A Little Forsyth, the podcast where I ask people what would they say to their younger self if they could. I want to know what advice, information, tips or encouragement they would give themselves that will hopefully help or entertain others who listen in too. I suppose you could call it Foresight through the benefit of hindsight. I really hope you enjoy it. Hello, I'm Emma Forsyth, and you're listening to A Little Foresight, the podcast where I ask people what would they say to their younger self if they could. I want to know what advice, information, tips or encouragement they would give themselves that will hopefully help or entertain others who listen in too. I suppose you could call it foresight through the benefit of hindsight. I really hope you enjoy it. Today's guest on A Little Foresight is a broadcaster, athlete, columnist, performance and wellness coach, a four-time All-Ireland winner and former All-Ireland winning camogie captain. No idea why I'm finding that so hard to say. The winning coach of the most recent series of Ireland's fittest family with the Kinsella family. She's also someone whose opinions and expertise I greatly admire. Anna Geary. Welcome, Anna. Thank you so much, Emma. That was a very kind introduction. I really appreciate it. I, if I could get you to um, recite that on a regular basis for me, that would be a great confidence boost on the days I just need that little bit of an extra boost. <laughs> exactly. You could just play it when you're about to walk into somewhere. <laughs> yeah, just and like, you know, this is like your music. Dun, 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 dun. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, Anna, first off, I want to say thank you so much for doing this. I know how incredibly busy you are and literally you just seem to be getting busier and busier so fair play to you and you've gone out of your way to organize this to do with me and I'm really really appreciative thanks so much no and it's it's my pleasure I think podcasts like this are they're really important because we're all um we're all I suppose struggling to take the advice that we know we need to take at times and sometimes it's nice to hear somebody else saying something that just might, I suppose, give you a little bit of encouragement or motivation or sometimes a kick in the bum that we all need to say, you know, like that's me. And like, you know, what she's saying or what he's saying resonates with me and I need to do that because I think sometimes the 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 world that we live in now, we can feel a sense of isolation or a sense of why is it only me this is happening to or how come I'm the only one that can't get my crap together or <laughs> why is it that I'm the one that's demotivated to exercise? And the truth is like a lot of people feel the exact same way. So the more we open these conversations and the more we, we verbalize it and normalize it, um, yeah. I think, you know, that's the, to me, that's the key to the first start. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I think just, I mean, thankfully, we seem to be coming out the other side of two long years of uh, COVID. But I think the effects that's going to have on us all, we have to appreciate that. And we have to take them on board and and realize that it's not something like we're going to flick a switch on the 28th of February and everything's going to be great. It's not. People have lived through two years of, as you said, isolation and, you know, like things being different and not normal. So, yeah, you're brilliant in what you're saying. Yeah, no, I think, see, I think when it comes to change, we're all preachers of habit and we all we we all fall into these various different routines that we build for ourselves. And like, I find the brain fascinating. Like it's like it's a marvelous machine, but like we know so little about it. And like the thing about our brain is when it comes to habits or routines and we fall into them, 
The brain can't identify whether or not it's a good routine for us or a bad routine for us, a good habit or a bad habit. It just knows this is something that you consistently do. So the brain doesn't like to be worked. It's like a bit of a diva. We all have that friend in our lives, a bit of a diva. That's our brain. It doesn't like to be worked hard. So we'll fall back into these natural habits. And I think even knowing that sometimes can be a little bit of permission for us to go easy on ourselves because we gave ourselves such a hard time. Why can't I do this? And I said I was going to get fit this year. And I said I was going to, you know, clear up my wardrobe. I said, I said, I said, I should, I should, I should. But even knowing that it's kind of out of your control to a certain extent and that your brain is taking over. So if you want to form new habits or form new routines, you do have to do it at a snail pace. And for a lot of people, even in the last two years, they probably are finding it quite difficult to transition back into the way we were pre-COVID. That's because we've readjusted to a different lifestyle now. Um, And I don't know about your listeners, but I think if I'm being very honest with myself, there's parts of my life pre-COVID that I don't want to go back to. There's there's things that I did in that life that I don't want to go back to. I'm much happier to to take some of the things that I've started to practice during lockdown, you know, that slightly slower pace of life, paying more attention to people. Like we've all had the conversations where we're chatting with our friend or a family member on the phone. You're like, yeah, 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 yeah. But you're thinking about the 46 other things that you should be doing during that time. Instead of just saying, okay, I'm going to like, you know, take this next 10 minutes. I'm going to be present with this person. I'm going to ask them how they are and I'm actually going to listen to it yeah. and, and listen to how they are and how they're feeling rather than only half, you know, listening and being passive about it. I think that's something that I notice myself doing and I'm I'm much more aware of it now. And, it, you know, even when I'm chatting with people or even spending time in their presence because I missed going for coffees with my friends and I missed visiting family. So now when I'm there, it's like phone is in the bag. You know, yes, phone yes. is on airplane mode. Like, and people know that's, you know, I'm unreachable. Whereas before the phone would nearly be on the table yeah. and, you know, you're inadvertently glancing down at the phone when you should be actually paying attention to the person or the people that are sitting across from you. Yeah, definitely. I think you're right. We were in a restaurant on Friday night or Saturday night, went to see Jason Byrne and we're in a lovely restaurant beforehand. And I actually did notice how few people had their phones out. Whereas before loads of people would have had their phones out, but like it was more people were there. They were actually enjoying being in a restaurant with people who, which hasn't really happened over the last few years. So yeah, there's many, many negatives to COVID, but there's definitely a few positives. And hopefully, as you said, people realizing to be more present and be in the moment and, you know, actually the privilege of getting to see and spend time with people is something that we're more aware of again, thankfully. Exactly. Because when I think back to, I suppose, to the pandemic and lockdowns, I'm, I suppose I'm very lucky in some ways that, you know, my husband and I were, still able to work so I was still having a purpose every day I was getting up I was filming the documentary around why girls quit sport at the time now albeit we had to completely turn it upside down and what we ended up having to do but I was still getting up and having production meetings and filming outside or filming with the girls and then I had the radio show at the weekends so I had that that structure and a lot of us really craved and missed the structure that we used to have in our lives. Even if that was only you go to work all week, you come home on a Friday night, you have a takeaway on a Friday night. Next morning, you meet the girls for breakfast, you go out Saturday night. We all kind of knew what we were doing. Um, and the uncertainty didn't sit well with a lot of us. Even though, you know, we were saying no to things sometimes that we were actually kind of half glad to say no to. Like there's a lot of people that I know that were delighted that they didn't have to go to weddings. And they were delighted that they didn't have to go to work parties and they were delighted they didn't have to go to all of those things that they really normally dreaded. 
but also there was the things, the moments with our families and our friends, or, you know, if, if somebody did incur a bereavement and that we weren't able to, to go and visit them and sympathize, like they're really significant moments that for some people, you know, we'll never be able to experience again. And and that in itself is even going to take a long time to come to, to accept and understand. So if there are people out there listening that are genuinely having a tough time of readjusting, just know that like a lot of people feel the same. Like we have kind of been institutionalized for the last two years. And the thing is, some people are ready to dive right back into the way their world was, you know, in March um, 2020. But then there's some of us that, and I find that myself, like I'm an extrovert and I'm, you know, I'm going and I love meeting people and I love talking. But I found when the world started to open back up again, you know, there was almost a little bit of trepidation there. Oh, I don't know. God. And even now I I really welcome um, small things like the masks being eliminated because I think it's so important from a, um, a connection point of view, to see someone's face. Yeah. You know, yeah. to me, like, like I suppose really less than 10%, less than 10% of our communication is like verbal. Everything else is nonverbal. So 90% of our communication is nonverbal. So whether that's a wink, whether that's a smile, whether that's a hug, mm-hmm. and we've had, we've literally been cut off from that for so long. And I really feel that the older generation and the younger generation in particular are people that have really suffered because we're wearing masks because they haven't been able to see people's faces. Um, So I really welcome that, like that sense of connection back. I think that's a big thing. And I think it's something that I realized just how much I missed when we were in lockdown. Yeah, yeah. That's something that I I would have always hugged my friends and hugged people when I, I saw them. And I'm actually still now struggling slightly to to do Like, you know, I'm kind of like, should I, can I? Well, you know, so I'm hoping it won't take too long for me now. I'm not going to go and hug and lick random strangers. Like, not that I lick my friends, but you know what I mean? Like, I am hoping that I'll get back used to hugging friends when you see them. Because even the other day, I met, like, one of my closest friends on Saturday. And I kind of didn't really, you know, it's it's strange. Like, it's just so strange. Mm-hmm. Boundaries, yeah. you know, realizing where are the boundaries again? Because beforehand, what was normal beforehand isn't necessarily mm-hmm. normal now. But... At the same time, you don't want everything that was normal to have changed. Like so, yeah. And I suppose that is why, like that sense of communication is really important. Yeah. And like asking someone the question, "Are we okay to hug?" Yeah. You know, and if they're not, it's almost like we really need to be careful of the judgment. And yeah. um, you know, in a post-COVID world Absolutely. now, because you know, we all we all knew someone, or maybe we were that person ourselves, where you know, in the two K restrictions people were looking out the curtains going, do you see that car now? I don't recognize that car. Where's that car coming from? They're not meant to be here. Or, oh, you know, this person, I heard they left the country or I heard they went down to Cork and, you know, they shouldn't have been there. And there was that kind of, there was a cynical um, nature to it and there was judgment. And now I suppose it's not just about how we feel. I think it's really important to understand that other people won't feel the same as you. So whether that's people willing to go out on a Saturday night out to coppers and be all sweaty and licking the faces off each other, whatever they're into, or if it's people that don't yet feel comfortable going Mm -hmm. for dinner with a group more than two or three, we all kind of have to understand that everyone's in a different place for different reasons. And I think that's a big thing. And I think if we, if we learn to kind of be judgment free in this period of time, whether it's somebody that still wants to wear a mask, even 
I think it'll be a really valuable lesson that we'll take with us because there was that element of judgment to me. I, I, I really struggle with it because like when I think back to even back in 2015, I was working in, you know, in a job in a corporate environment. I was working for a multinational, good pensionable job, as my friend's dads used to say to me. And I opened, I opted and left, you know, and I, I made some big decisions back in 2015. I retired. I was the Cork captain. I retired from Cork. We just won the All-Ireland back in 2014. I was working um, in a marketing department of a big multinational and I was living in Cork. And suddenly, you know, May Bank Holiday weekend, my my world turned upside down. I retired from Cork, I handed in my notice and I moved from Cork to Dublin. My dad, being a staunch Cork man, would probably still say he, he can't get his head around why you would ever want to leave Cork. But there were three massive decisions. Decisions that obviously I was nervous about, but my gut instinct told me like, you know, this is what you need to do. But what I wasn't prepared for was the judgment and the opinions of other people on how I should live my life. Or why would you leave a pensionable job? You yeah. know, like what, why would you why would you leave? I was only 27 when I retired yeah, from Cork. Yeah. Like you're in the peak of your career. You've just won four all, you know, four all stars. You won the All Ireland last year with Cork and you were captain. Why would you leave Camogie? Why would you leave Cork? Like all of these questions and people telling me what I should be doing. And I'll never forget one of my close friends' dads few months after I'd left my job and by then I started working with Marty Morrissey on RT Radio 1 doing a, a sports show at the weekends and I had the opportunity from the producer of Ireland's Fittest Family to get involved and, and become a coach. Hard to believe that that was that long ago I started in 2015 and I, like so I was I, I was doing things I loved and I loved working with people I obviously loved talking about sport but Fittest family, that sense of connection with the families, I just it made me realize, yeah, this is what I love, you know. And while the career that I had was a great career, it just wasn't a great career for me. And I suppose at 27, I didn't have financial burden of a mortgage or children to be relying on me. So I, I kind of, again, I was like, look, if I make a mistake, I can always go back and, and do something different. But I wanted to kind of, I suppose, try new things. And my friend's dad turned around to me. He's like, oh, so how, how's everything going? And I was like, oh, no, it's going really well. And he's like, great. So like, when are you going to go back now and get a real job? <laughs> and I was like, I'm sorry, what do, you mean, what do you mean get a real job? And he's like, oh, but you know, like you, you can't keep doing this forever. Like, And because, you know, he he had grown up in a world where you had to have the stable job with the, you know, and he was a farmer. And I was like, you know, you probably work more hours in a day than most people ever do. Like a lot of people would say to you, why do you do it? Like, why do you? Why do you put yourself in for the hardship? But he loved it. Yeah. So he did it and he was prepared to do that. So for me, I was like, yeah, okay, I, I, you know, this is something that I'm really enjoying and exploring and I want to keep doing it. And I'm really glad that I did because, you know, eight years, seven, eight years on, I'm still working in that world. And thankfully, now that I have a mortgage, I'm able to pay the mortgage. So <laughs> that's a positive. It's an absolute positive. And that's obviously something you would have told your younger self, follow your dreams and do yeah. what you want to do. Yeah, like I think one of the biggest things that I would have told my younger self is don't live the life that people think you should, you know, because that word should, if I could abolish it from the English language, I would. Like, what should you be doing? What should, what holiday should you be going on? What body should you have? What house mm-hmm. should you live in? What job should you have? Like, there's so many things we're doing because should. 
And if we only replace the word should with want, rather than what should I be doing? What what, what do I want to be doing? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I realized that, you know, the job that I was in, it was, you know, very much behind a desk all day on a computer. You know, there might be some days I'd have very limited human interaction, uh, like apart from maybe, you know, on emails or on yeah, calls. Yeah. And I wasn't having that physical connection. And I suppose at the same time, I had started to go back and qualify as a performance coach because I realized that, the world of sport taught me like that mindset is key. You know, you can have natural talents, natural skills, but, you know, you have to be able to train your mindset as well. And with sports, like I had lots of failures. I had lots of mistakes, like lots of setbacks. There was times that I got dropped from from teams or got taken off in matches or didn't have good performances. But I always had to pick myself back up for the next match. Yeah, so yeah. that idea that to me, I what I a fundamental thing that I learned from sport and I'm glad that my younger self knew it was that failure isn't a weakness like failure to me is showing that you've the courage to give something a go and even if it doesn't work out it doesn't matter you have the courage to give it a go so that was very much was married in what I did when I left my job I was having the courage to give something else a go and I wish I'd known that a little bit younger in life because there probably would have been other things that I would have said yes to. Like I always loved speech and drama in school. And when a lot of my friends were enrolling their eyes, went, oh God, this class, I loved it. Like I loved, and my mom always said there was a, an actress in me waiting to get out. And there probably still is to a certain extent. Um, but, you know, I probably would have kept up, you know, some form of drama or acting. And because all my friends were playing sport, and while I love sport too, I probably would have, tried to do both so as I got older I started to realize you know I don't have to be labeled I don't have to just be Anagiri the Cork Mogi pair and it isn't just about what people think I should be doing so like back in 2014 when I was the Cork captain and like one of the greatest honors that I've ever had in my life because I never thought when I was seven eight years old that I would ever have the chance to captain Cork it wasn't even on my radar like I wouldn't even say it was a dream because I really thought that is just beyond the realms of possibility um, but back in 2014, when I was Cork captain, I decided to enter the Cork Rose Tralee. Purely because my cousin had been the Limerick Rose back in 2000, I'd gone back to Tralee. I saw all the crack and the fun that she was having, all the friends she got to meet, all the outfits she got the, to wear. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I'd love to do that. So I went to it with no expectations, just to meet new people and try something different. And I won. And I remember in 2014, then being the Cork Rose and being the Cork captain and a lot of people saying, I, geez, I, I wouldn't have put the two of them together. And I said, like, what do you mean? They were like, well, you know, Cork Camogie and Camogie player and being out in the muck and the, the rough and tumble and the bruise and the belts and then the Cork Rose. And I said, like, well, okay, well, what do you think the Cork Rose is? And a lot of people thought it was, you know, the wave and the standing on stage and the smiling. And I think, you definitely don't know what it is because it is the best crack. You're up to three or four o'clock in the morning at events. You're dancing all night. You're making friends with people all over the world. You know, it was one of the greatest things that I ever did. And like, to me, both of them were about being proud of where you come from, representing where you come from, and then, you know, stepping out of your comfort zone and trying new things. And isn't that what all of us should be telling our younger selves is to try new things? Like That's I never went into the Rose Tree to, to win. God, no, I just went in to have a great time. And I absolutely did. And the same with Cork. Like my intentions when I was playing with Cork, obviously you'd love to win in All-Ireland. But to come out having won four All-Ireland titles during that time was, you know, was beyond what I ever could have imagined. Um, so, yeah. 
really amazing. Really amazing. I'm just sitting here thinking, actually, you managed to also to combine your athleticism and your love for kind of drama when you did uh, Dancing with the Stars. Oh my God, Dancing with the Stars. Could you believe it's four years ago? Like four <laughs> years ago. My dance partner actually, uh, Kai, messaged me um, just there a few days ago and he sent me like a time hop um, picture and it was of us getting the three tens. So we got the first three tens in the competition, um, which Nina Carberry got. And I was like delighted because she obviously being such a brilliant sportswoman herself. And he was like, could you believe this was four years ago today? And I can still remember that moment. I can still remember that dance. I'm pretty yeah. sure I could probably do it if I needed to. You know what I mean? Because it's ingrained in my brain so much. But that opportunity for me, I had retired from Cork. I was three years out of retirement. And what I started to realize was that I craved and really missed a challenge, you know, because every time I went out playing with Cork, yeah, of course you wanted to get to the All-Ireland and win it. But it was, it was so much more than that for me. And I didn't realize that until I had a little bit of hindsight, which was, what is it that I miss so much? I missed the friends, but I really missed the challenge. So when Dance with the Stars came along, I was like, I almost said no. I'm going back to that judgment. I always almost said no because I was so afraid what will people think and what will people say? Will they say, who does she think she is now? Does she think she's a star because she's on Dancing with the Stars? And I came, you know, from a small rural village in North Cork. And I was thinking, oh, well, they think now that I'm a, above my station or that I have, you know, the proverbial notions. Yeah. And then I had to really catch myself. I was like, hang on a second. You have the opportunity to learn how to dance from a world-class professional and have it be your job for however many weeks you're in the competition. Week on week, try these amazing outfits and get out there and, you know, challenge yourself every week. And some weeks you'll do, you'll do well and other weeks you won't do so well. <laughs> but, oh, my God, the experience was incredible. Like, it was filled with so much emotion. I made, like, really close friends out of it because there's nothing like a vulnerable situation when loads of people are thrust into it to bring you closer together. Um. And again, the crack, I mean, we used to go out every weekend after the show. It was just, it was an amazing time. And like, again, going back to what was it? It was the fear of judgment almost stopped me. But then once I removed that fear and I removed the fear of caring about what people thought and did it for myself because I wanted to do it and I wasn't doing what I should be doing. I said, like, no, I want to do this. Then it was just reminding myself every week you know you, when you go out and you train really hard like you do for a match in camogie just like you're training for the dancing sometimes things won't go according to plan and sometimes no matter how much prep you've done and how many times you've rehearsed it in your mind it won't go well but it's at least you had the courage at least you decided to put that one foot in front of the other in the dance floor and do it and that's what that's what it's all about like I think when you when you break everything down in life whether it's a new relationship a new job whatever it is whether you decide to live abroad, it's just having the courage. I think we all, we suppose we really encourage younger people and praise younger people. Um, you know, even babies, when they fall down, they're learning to walk. You tell them, get back up again, try again, try again, try again. But as adults, we don't give ourselves that same permission. If we fail at something, we, we deem ourselves weak at it or are not able for it. And we just never go back to it. Whereas if you keep going for it and keep pushing yourself to do it, eventually you will improve. And it's that improvement then to me is what keeps you going. That sense of progress. Oh my God, I remembered, you know, and, and I suppose week on week of the dancing, when I started to get better, you know, I was like, oh, this is brilliant. And it was a motivator, but it also really it, it enhanced the enjoyment too, because I was delighted that I could actually see the progress. 
Yeah, and you weren't just thinking step one, step two, yeah. step two, actually realizing where they go. Yeah. Myself and Maya, we um, brought Maya to Glasgow two weekends ago to see Strictly, the live show. Oh, so we saw Cry. Yeah. And oh, he's just unbelievable. Yeah, like, he's dancing with Maisie yeah. from the year before, and they're just phenomenal. But he actually did a dance, they did a group dance, and he did a, a bit with uh, Johannes that oh, I, mean, yes. I, I was genuinely in tears. I was like actually crying watching that group dance at the Strictly Live show. It was just brilliant. Absolutely amazing. And I can't understand why anyone, I I understand it's like, it's a scary, intense thing, but I really can't understand why anyone who has a chance to go on something like Dancing with the Stars or Strictly would say no. Like, it's like, it's such, I'd say it's the most amazing experience. It is, it is, but I do know people in all honesty, not just from my year, but from other years that would say that, they wish that they had their time back again, that they would have done things very differently because mm-hmm. they were too much, you know, they were too much in their own way. Yeah. You no, know, they were trying to have these unrealistic expectations of what they needed to be like. And I suppose I was really grateful to sport that I, I kind of understood that, you know, the criticisms from the judges is necessary for me to get better and that you're not going to be brilliant at this. How could you be? Like you're only doing it a few weeks. So other people didn't have that same, I suppose, level of of um, just patience with themselves, yeah. I guess. And like, I remember being inside the costume department and the, the people, you know, when you see the dancers and you see the judges and you see the presenters and it's extraordinary, but it's the people behind mm-hmm. the scenes of the likes dancing with Paris, they make the whole thing go. And when I remember being in the middle of um, the costume department, um, standing there practically you know standing there in my underwear about to be fitted in a dress and they pull the dress out and say well this is what we're going to put you in and just the fear and and then all of a sudden it's not the fear of learning the dance steps all of a sudden it's the fear of you want me to wear that yeah. where's the where's the rest of it what <laughs> and it's the panic but again it's this for me is what I've also come to realize that and I, what I would tell my younger self is that like sometimes putting your trust in other people or even in the process is really important because I am a person that likes to be in control yeah um, and I like knowing what's happening and I like knowing what I'm doing three weeks from Tuesday and that's not life because life blindsides you on a random Tuesday afternoon when you least expect it or you know the five-year plan goes down the drain or whatever it is and it's to me, trusting that something else will happen, even if you don't know what it is straight away, just having the trust that just because you don't have control of a situation doesn't mean it's going to be a negative outcome. Sometimes it actually could be a better outcome than you've ever imagined it to be. So, you know, and some of the outfits that I was so worried about wearing, like the Elsa costume has become iconic. Like I I joke with um, a friend of mine that was also on the show. And I just said to him, if I could have taken that Elsa costume, right, and hired myself out as Elsa to parties all over the country, I'd have made a fortune. You would have. <laughs> but that costume, I remember being so nervous about it because it had a see-through um, bottom part of the dress. And I was like, oh, I can't, I can't dance in this. Oh my God, what will, what will people say? But nobody remembered that. Like all they saw was the, like, just the beautiful dress and the beautiful dance. And, you know, it being a really special moment. So again, Come back to what, like that advice, get out of your own way sometimes. And I, what I would say to people is say yes to something and then work out how you're going to do it. And at least if you give yourself the time to think about it, at least if you want to say no, it's a more measured no. Where what happens with us, we're so afraid 
um, of making mistakes or not being good enough or the judgment, we say no straight away. And then you've actually shut that door before you even have a chance to think about it. Yeah. So say yes and then work out how you're going to do it afterwards. That's what I did. <laughs> yeah, my friend is doing a say yes to everything year. And uh, I, with her, she's my hairdresser, but I was with her there the other week and she she's like I said so how's your saying yes to everything you're going she's like I'm knackered I'm absolutely knackered <laughs> I was like okay she said but I'm having a brilliant time I was like yeah. but there you are now See? and I would I would completely agree with her like you have to say yes to things but I suppose and it's almost like I'm contradicting myself here but I'm sure people will understand what I mean to me post-pandemic one of the best things though we can start to say like to learn to say as well as no yeah. And learning to say no is probably one of the most valuable things. And by that, I mean, maybe it's saying no to the Saturday night out because you want your Sunday hangover free or, yeah. you know, learning to say no to the, the pressure to put down something on your CEO points because someone told you that you should be doing it. <laughs> so I think, you know, that word is really powerful if we use it in the right way. And like what I wish I would have told my younger self as well is, Saying no does not make you a bad person. And saying no does not mean that people are going to like you any less. I was so afraid. I didn't. I would go as far as to say, not as much as I got older, but definitely when I was younger, I had an incessant need to please people. Like I ha- I just wanted to be liked. And if someone didn't like me, I took it personally. And I was like, what have I done? But the truth was, I could have reminded them of someone. You know, there could have been something that I had that they wanted. They might have been having a bad day. there's 101 reasons why somebody mightn't have the most positive exchange with you and yet I was taking it personally and saying I must have done something so I started to realize that like you know you do have to pull back certain times and say well if if this isn't good for me and it's not going to help me in the longer run say no but say it immediately say it honestly and say it directly you know you'll often get an email in you're like oh you know I don't want to do that so we let it linger we procrastinate. Yeah. We let it five days before we reply back to the person. Reply straight away. And she's like, you know, I'm really sorry. In another situation, I'd love to help you. But right now, I'm unable to. But if I can yeah. help you again, please let me know. Polite and direct. Be honest about it. But say it immediately. Don't drag it on. Because you're only, like, wasting energy. And you're thinking, oh, I have to go back to that person now and say no. I have to go back and say no. Um, and I, I wish that you're leaving that. that person hanging, you know, in that they kind of, like, a lot of people, I find Irish people in particular will say yes to stuff that they really can't do or don't want to do or you know but they'll say yes and as you said then they'll try and figure out a way to get out of it essentially but if you've said yes to something and then that other person doesn't realize that it's it's kind of really a no like you know you've left them hanging them when all of a sudden and usually at the last minute you turn around and go no (laughs) and they're going oh that's where that's why then they can actually end up getting angry it's not that you said no it's the fact that you said no 48 hours before the thing was meant to happen yeah yeah, I wish I'd known that it's okay to say no it's it's not anything personal against you if if they're not happy about it but once you're honest polite direct and immediate about the no and if it serves you well like ultimately I used to put myself under so much pressure and spread myself so thin um, because I was afraid to say no to everyone because everyone's cause is good. And like you mentioned at the top there about being busy, like we're all busy. Yeah. We're every single one of us. Like I, um, you know, I, I live in a, thankfully in a, in a place where, you know, I can easily commute to my work. Um, I don't have children, which definitely frees up a lot more of my time compared to some of my other friends that have young kids. But we're all busy in different ways. But to me, it's starting to realize like, it's to prioritize what's important. Yeah. And sometimes you say no to things, but then if something is a priority, 
you will make it work. You'll find a way to, yeah. you know, squeeze in a little bit of time into your day to, to do it. So whether that's exercise or it's this podcast, yes. you'll find a way to make it work. But it's just being clear about your priorities is a big thing because too often now in, in the world, everything is important. You know, yes. everything is urgent. So we do have to get clear about our own priorities first, I think. Yeah, you're so right, because everything and every circumstance is important to somebody, but mm-hmm. that doesn't mean that it's the most important thing to you, you know. Mm-hmm. So and I was exactly like you for many, many years. Total people pleaser, had to say yes to everything. Constantly put my own needs and wants second to do stuff for other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think A, getting older, but B, definitely having Maya has made a difference to that. Obviously, her needs and wants are put first, but it it means then that I say no to other things that in the past I would have twisted myself into like all contortionist positions to try and do. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, that's been great for me is that I realized that you can't say yes to everything. You know, you can, but you're not actually going to fully do anything properly then if that's the case. So, yeah, you, you spread yourself far too thin and end up disappointing people as you said so you know I'm disappointing yourself then because yeah. ultimately you know oh god I could have done that so much better like a, a friend of mine years ago said something to me and it really it stuck she said you can do anything but you can't do everything yeah so right like, yes okay right you know and it was around the time I was making that transition and everything was so uncertain and it did it started to make me realize okay yeah I know I do have to start saying no to some things mm-hmm. because I can't take everything on and then I won't do the job that I know I'm capable of doing with the things that I really want yes. I don't have the time yeah now you do you, you quite simply can't do everything I have to ask you a question sorry when I was obviously doing my research into this on Wikipedia it says your nickname is a sumpha <laughs> no idea where that came from it's hilarious that this was the joys of wikipedia able yeah. to, being able to be altered because somebody said that to me before a journalist i just looked at him and i was like what and he didn't give the context that he saw it in wikipedia so he's like so where did you get the nickname of something from and i was like what <laughs> and then i suppose the immediate thing was people were calling me a something behind my back where did that come from so yeah i can i can officially confirm in records that i have absolutely no idea where that came from <laughs> I know. Wikipedia is so funny the way you can't actually make changes for yourself but anyone who wants to absolutely. go on right ahead there if you have an enemy that's on Wikipedia go on and, and, and do your worst <laughs> I think and then some of the stuff on it is so funny and even even sometimes you're reading something and you're going that is blatantly not true about people but it's up there so. and it's frightening though because so many people see Wikipedia as fact so they will take something and I often see it even in, in briefs, like with I'm reading something, but so a guest, that's definitely not right. I like, oh, no, no, it is. I, I, I read it on the internet. I'm like, there's the first problem with, with what you've just said right there. It's like, okay, that doesn't make it so. Yeah. Um, so yeah, definitely fact checking in, in the world now of online and social media. It's also something I would say to my younger self is don't believe everything you read absolutely and don't believe every picture you see on social media that's one of the things I do love about your social media is that you whilst having the fabulous pictures from the different events and things and all your beautiful makeup from your photo shoots you also are extremely real and show the actual side of life as well like both are actual sorry both are your life but it's just you know probably I would assume and I could be wrong that the you know beautiful makeup and hair and costumes are probably slightly less 
Yeah, 40% to be perfectly honest. You know, for anyone listening right now, I'm wearing a hat on my head. And I'm wearing the hat for two reasons. Number one, I really need to wash my hair. And number two, I really need to get my colour done. So I went to the shop earlier and I was like, yeah, neither of them was going to happen today. So I'm just going to stick a hat on my head. And I think it is like what you're saying is it's really important to me because it's really important for me as well to see other people that you know aren't having the best hair day or the best skin day or the best, you know, feel good day. And I, what I found during lockdown is I was really reluctant, at this, you know, during lockdown to at the beginning when I wasn't talking to camera that often um, to come on and get, oh, you know, like my nails are gone and my hair is I've roots down to my ears and I, I look like I badly need a good night's sleep after doing a Netflix marathon last night whatever it was. And I started to realize the more I came on looking, to be honest, like crap, <laughs> the more people appreciated it and the more people resonated. And because I suppose it made them feel less crap because they thought, oh God, well, you know, she looks like that too. And she's coming on camera. Yeah. Um, and it was, it is really nerve wracking. Like you, I guess like social media, it's a platform, but it's, you can be quite vulnerable as well. The more, the more open that you are and the more honest that you are with people, you do leave yourself open um, for comments and opinions mm-hmm. um, and judgment, like as I go back to that beautiful word. Uh, so it is, I think for me, important that once I know I'm being myself um, and, you know, even if that is slightly weird or slightly quirky or slightly whatever it is online, that once it's me and it's authentically me, then I can kind of stand over it. But it is it is a scary place as an adult. So as a younger person that hasn't developed that level of self-awareness, it can be really challenging. And for any parents listening, what I would say is go easy on your teenagers because you might think you know what it feels like, but you don't. Yeah. Because you didn't grow up in a world where social media was all consuming. You didn't grow up in a world where you were terrified of being tagged in an unflattering picture. That didn't exist for us. So, yeah. you know, it, it is about making sure that, you know, they understand that it's not real life. I think that's the most important thing that you can, you know, with teenage girls, that it's not real. And yeah. yes, it can be real sometimes, but we've all used the Paris filter. Let's oh, face it. Absolutely. I put my two hands up right now. You know, I love a good Paris filter on the mornings that I know I need sleep. But it's about then making sure that I also show myself unfiltered and with yes. the break with breakouts. And, you know, that's important, too, because I can't. I suppose to me, social media is about connecting with people. Yeah. And, you know, connection needs trust. So it is very hard to connect with people if you're constantly looking perfect because that's not my day. Like I, when I'm at home, the, one of the first things I'll do in the evenings, even if it's five or six o'clock and I know I don't have anywhere to be, I'll change into my pajamas or I'll change into loungewear. I love being comfortable. So me if you see me knocking around my house in the kitchen and I'm on camera, you know, in a dress or a pair of jeans and a top, <laughs> that is not real. Like I put that on probably for, for the camera or otherwise I've just come back from a day's yeah. work. So, you know, I think once people know that, um, you know, I guess it, it reminds them that, OK, like this person is the same as me. Because at the end of the day, we're we're all the same. We just our circumstances are different. Whether it's the house we live in, the job we do, whatever it is. But, you know, we all try and be our best. We all go out and do our jobs. We all make lots of mistakes and wish we could do things differently. So when you strip it all back, we are all really the same. You know, just the ego sometimes gets in the way. Yeah, like I'm a woman in my 40s and I still sometimes look at and and I know social media is not all real. I know how curated and fake mm-hmm. it is. And I still have times when I look at people's pictures and just go and feel so inadequate. And so, you know, and you're just like going, kind of going, I do have to check myself. I mean, I've openly spoken loads of times about my issues with 
self-confidence and all the other stuff but like I do constantly have to check myself and then I have to think to like you know I need Maya to be able to look at things in a certain way like she's nearly nine and I need her to realize that you know she's enough and she you know all this kind of stuff so I can't be then kind of going oh the state of me and all this and all that and expect her not to take that on board so yeah it is I have so much respect for younger people when it comes to social media and I as you said I in particular because I'm much older than you had nothing like that growing up like nothing there was no comparison sites which is basically we're like in social media is like the bonkers.ie for us as people like you know we're constantly comparing ourselves to other things um so like I just I have so much respect for them completely and utterly and as you said that is something that I absolutely tell my younger self is social media is very often very fake totally curated at the very least if not fake and uh don't put too much stock into everything you see and like it's a great place for people to express themselves so for younger people to use it maybe as an outlet for their music or their or their acting or whatever it is but yeah you're right and I what I would say to what I what I would say as well to my younger self is like embrace your uniqueness as well you know because social media sometimes is kind of designed to make everyone morph into the same person whether that's you know all of people's site like pages looking the same this is the way to get your likes or get your followers make your page look like this or you know this is the the color hair that's in or this is the trend that's in or this is what you should be wearing and it's always making us all morph into looking like each other but the truth is like you stand out by being yourself and being different so like I remember Justin Timberlake years ago saying that that when he was accepting some God, amazing award for something that he'd done. And he said that like when he was in school, you know, he was often slagged and, and, and you know, for being a bit different and being a bit quirky. And yet it was that quirkiness is the reason why he is the star that he was. And this is at the height of his fame. So he was talking to younger people specifically and just said, you know, like lean into being unique and lean into being different and own it, you know. And I remember um, reading somewhere before, it's like, don't try and be a second class version of anybody else. Be a first class version of you. Yeah. And I think for all of us, like that is so important here. It doesn't matter what age you are. If you're 50 years old listening to this right now, be a first class version of you. We're, we're so busy looking at what everyone else is doing online and particularly, you know, well-known people are public figures and I want to do that and I want to do that. And she has that bag and I want this. You have no idea behind the scenes what their life is like. And I can guarantee you, it is not as good as it looks. So, yeah. you know, don't be focusing what she has or he has. Just worry about yourself and what can I do to make my life that little bit better? And honestly, it's so much better because what I try and tell myself sometimes is to give myself a bit of perspective. What would you do in the morning if social media was gone? If it was deleted, right? If it's absolutely gone. Have more time. <laughs> yeah. Who would you be? But also, who would you be and what would you be doing? Yes. And how much of an influence is social media on it? We'd all survive. We'd all get on with it. We'd probably be sometimes a bit happier because we wouldn't know what anyone else is doing. Yep. But it's just to, like, that couldn't, that can be gone in the morning. It's something else can happen. Something else can change. Something else will, will take over from it. So just don't rely on it so much, even with contact and friends. And I say that to people a lot is if you're always only ever contacting your friends through forms of Instagram, Twitter, WhatsApp, if it's that, you know, if you, if your method of communicating with them is messaging and stuff and that you will not pick up the phone, we mm-hmm. all have that friend that you will text them and it takes you all day. And the minute you try and ring them, they just will not answer. They go, yeah. oh, I don't, I don't do phone calls. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, and I've been that person where I'll see somebody's phone, oh, I'm not in the mood to talk to them today. 
But it's really important that we do remind ourselves that the, you know, writing a text message to somebody or commenting under somebody's post, you look fabulous, hon. That stuff is not, it doesn't go deep enough to maintain connections and relationships. So, you know, I think that's a, it's a really important thing for us to remember as well. You know, that like, it's good every now and again to meet, now that we can, meet your pals. Don't be always commenting on their posts. (laughs) Or even just when we couldn't, even just send voice notes because you're, I find with text messages and not so much necessarily Instagram, but when you're writing something, your intonation and how exactly you mean it isn't yeah. necessarily coming across. So at least if you're sending a voice note or, as you said, thankfully able to meet people again, at least it's actually how you're saying it as opposed oh. to how they're reading it. And also sometimes I find your mood, as in the receiver of the message, dictates how you're going to read what's said to you. Because if you're having a fabulous day, you could uh-huh. read something as being brilliant. But if you're having a really crappy day, you're reading as, oh my God, I can't believe she said that, you know, whereas they no, didn't sure. mean the way it came across at all. So yeah, like once again, I'm from an age where we didn't have any of that. So you had like, you know, your your house phone, you had your landline, or you actually met people. So yeah, yeah you have to kind of, as you said, communication isn't just the words it isn't just even verbal it's it's all of it so yeah completely yeah. and utterly it's no, so it and I love a good voice note like my my friend because um, again I think voices are great because like you said you hear the voice but you can get back to someone then whenever is convenient for you yeah. if you're not able to take the phone call but a friend of mine recently um she pulled me up and she said come here your voice notes now are turning into podcasts yeah. you, know, <laughs> you know anything over 10 minutes I'm not listening to because I can literally be there and I think I'd send her like a 13 minute voice and she, I'm not listening to that so and now I'm starting to get clever and I'm breaking them down into like maybe three, three minute ones. She's like, no, I won't listen to your podcast. And I didn't, I didn't understand what she was saying. Oh, my voice notes. Right. OK. So, yeah, if you want people to listen to your voice notes and more importantly, reply back to them in, in you know, a relatively um, good time frame. Keep them shorter than my voice notes. So bullet point voice notes. Yeah, get the first one out, get them through and then the second one. And then, yeah. yeah. And I know how busy you are and I'm well aware that I have kept you for far longer than uh, I'd expected to. I had such a joy talking to you. I had so much fun. Uh, Thank you so, so much. Genuinely, thank you so, so much. I'm so thankful for you for doing this. Thank you so much too. Keep up the great work. It's a brilliant podcast and I know it it just, it gives so much to so many people. So if you can only take one thing from what (laughs) I said, you know, to me, the two things are forget the judgment, right? Both from yourself, stop judging others about their lives and don't be worrying about what other people think of you. My nanny used to always say, what other people think of you is none of your business. Yeah. So, you know, it's a big thing. I think just be yourself and you're never too old to start being yourself. So no matter what you want to do, just do it. Just do it. Excellent advice, Anna. Thank you so much. Thanks so much. Lovely chatting with you today. Thanks a million. Take care. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to A Little Foresight. If you enjoyed it, please share with others and like and subscribe. If there's anyone you'd like to hear on the podcast, or if you have any questions or just want to chat about anything spoken about, please do get in touch. It's a little foresight on Instagram and little foresight on Twitter. Take care and stay safe. Thank you so much for listening to A Little Foresight. If you enjoyed it, please share with others and like and subscribe. If there's anyone you'd like to hear on the podcast, or if you have any questions or just want to chat about anything spoken about, please do get in touch. It's a little foresight on Instagram and little foresight on Twitter. Take care and stay safe. <laughs>